With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. As you listeners know, we love to use these Cracked Rackets podcasts as a platform to bring on and share some of our favorite voices from throughout the tennis community, whether that be fellow media members, players, coaches. We just we know how diverse uh, the thought is in the game of tennis. We want you to hear from all different perspectives. And of course, we want to keep you the most well-informed, best-educated tennis fans in the business. Of course, bringing on these guests is also an excuse for me to geek out because so many of these people, I was either a fan of growing up, what they were doing on the court, or I was religiously reading the content they were producing if they were members of the media. We are joined by one of my favorite members of the media, in fact, on today's podcast, a Cracked Rackets returning champion, writer, editor, producer at Baseline.Tennis.com, of course, co-host of the Tennis.com podcast. Nina Pantic joins me once again for a bit of a status report on this 2020 U.S. Open. Now, of course, we talk about what we expect to see throughout this championship weekend, but we also talk about some of the other storylines from this U.S. Open. We talk about what it's like to view a major with no fans. What are the pros and cons of that experience? It's a really fun conversation because Nina and I sort of disagreeing on our perspective, but in all the fun sorts of ways. Uh, We also talk about, again, what it's like for there to be no press on site. Had there been media members at this U.S. Open, would things such as the PTPA forming, such as Novak Djokovic, obviously uh, striking a line judge in the throat, being defaulted, just all of the various, you know, the COVID-19 procedures. Had there been media on site, would these storylines be receiving more attention than they are right now? And just, you know, again, it's always great to get to chat with Nina. So few people, if any, more linked into what is, you know, locked into what is going on uh, in the tennis world than her. And just, you know, I happen to just be a big fan of her. So very excited for all of you listeners to hear today podcast. Of course, the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out here on the Great Shot Podcast is because of the support we get from our friends at DraftKings. And maybe you know, despite all the uncertainty, you are confident on how this action is going to unfold this weekend. Maybe you're feeling confident in our picks for GSP Ace of the Day, which we do every morning, and in my opinion, continue to get better and better. And you want to get in on the action with our friends at DraftKings. Well, here's how it works. Create your DraftKings Sportsbook account and make a deposit. DraftKings will match your first deposit at 20% up to $500. From there, you're going to make your first bet. And DraftKings will also match that with a risk-free first bet up to $500. Just go to dkng.co slash cracked open to play. That's dkng.co slash cracked open. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, 1-800-9-WITH-IT-IN 
Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. You must be 21 years and older and in a participating state to take advantage of this draw offer. Deposit bonus is in DK dollars, which have no cash value and must be used on DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for more details. All right. With that being said, I am very much looking forward to hearing all of your listeners' thoughts on today's conversation. So, without further ado, here is my thoughts on this 2020 U.S. Open. A bit of a status report on the storylines we've seen emerge with the one and only Nina Panting. Joining us once again here on the podcast, you know her as a writer, editor, and producer for Baseline.Tennis.com. Of course, she is also the host of the Tennis.com podcast. And I'm going to be honest, there's been a lot of action during this U.S. Open, but I know I never have to feel frantic when I am joined by today's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Nina Pantic. Nina, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Wow, Alex, what an intro. It's great to be back. Uh, it's every so often I got to flex the rhyming muscles. I have a poetry history in my background we can get into in a different time. Uh, but, you know, every so often, frantic, pantic, it was too obvious I had to take the shot. Um, anyways, though, it is great to have you back on the show. Obviously, we are in the midst of this home stretch of the U.S. Open. And that's where I want to start today's conversation because I've been... I would say, you know, I've been uh, sitting on a take of mine. It's been developing. It's still a working take. I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it, but I want to throw it at you. And it's this idea that watching this U.S. Open, and I'm at home, so, you know, not on the grounds. And certainly if you're on the grounds, I'm sure it feels different. The commentators can't keep uh, reminding us enough of how different it is to play these matches without fans in the stand. But from my perspective, on my couch— I don't think it's felt that different, and I don't know if I should be concerned by that development or if I should feel okay with it, and I think part of that is ESPN's done a really good job of filtering in crowd noise, but I don't know, case in point, Zverev Chorich yesterday, that had every feeling of tension that you would feel if that Arthur Ashe Stadium was packed, and so just curious, what have you thought about this, you know, watching this U.S. Open? Have you felt the lack of fans in, you know, your viewing experience? Oh, Alex, I disagree so much. So, so much. (laughs) Okay, make the case. Okay, so I think the no fans is absolutely horrific. And I think it's very obvious. I think it's super awkward, especially when the players walk on the court. I mean, it's just like going to practice. Uh, I think it's... The fun part has been being able to hear things you never could before. So things... This is going to sound really silly, but things like the way Sophia Cannon bounces the ball kind of aggressively. Mm -hmm. I never noticed that because there's... Even when fans aren't cheering in Arthur Ashe Stadium, there's this buzz. It's like really loud noise because everyone's talking all the time and nonstop action, especially in the higher parts of the stadium. So hearing that has been kind of weird. And then you can hear what they say to each other right after the match. And usually we never, ever hear that. The crowd is usually going crazy. I've enjoyed that because it's kind of quirky. And even like uh, mm-hmm. I noticed when Azarenka won one of her matches, the guy that comes to ask her to do press, you heard their exchange. And it would have been super awkward if she was like, no, I won't do ESPN. No way. But she was like, oh, yes, <laughs> anything for you. If you Because you asked me, I'll do it. And I was like, I kind of liked seeing these weird little moments that we never did before. But in general, the no fans, I think it's absolutely tragic. I don't know. I don't know how the players are doing it. I think there's the whole point of playing tennis at this level is to do it on a stage and feel like you're in an arena and you're going out as a gladiator and you're going to have all these people cheering and booing and reacting. I mean, 
it's missing so, so much. I think the fake crowd noise is bizarre. I don't like it. I hate that they play music right after the match because it ruins the post-match interview. Like, why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> ESPN's doing a phenomenal job. Of course they are. No, no, nothing against them. They're doing phenomenal. I also love that they have their, uh, their third commentator in the stands, and sometimes they're too close. So the player can hear them, like Zverev called out Brad Gilbert. I mean, that's gold. <laughs> but you could probably move up a little bit. I, I don't know what the, what the solution is there, but there probably is one. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, so it's twofold because I want to start with the positives, which again is what gives me concern is you mentioned it. It's the little things. The fact that every F-bomb now you catch on mic. It's the fact that you can hear these players not only chirping with their own player boxes, but sometimes like in the case of Borna Chorich, chirping at his opponent's players boxes. And just that's delightful for me. Sign me up for, for two weeks of that. Like I just love the little pettiness. And, you know, you sort of mentioned the, the ball bouncing for Kennan yesterday. I was on the road, and so I had the ESPN app open. I was I was driving, so I wasn't watching, but I was just listening to the call and listening to the sounds of the feet shuffling, and I knew when I heard active feet, that was born a church. When I heard these long, powerful strides or a big thud with a contact point, that was Alex Zverev. And I think you're able to pick up on these little details as a fan that you weren't before. And again, the majority of tennis fans, I think, although— I might be wrong about this since most of these lower tier events make their money from stands in concessions, but a lot of these fans are consuming tennis on their couch, and I can't say I've disliked watching it this way. Now, of course, you know, if you throw crowds into that Zverev Chorich match, who knows what sort of, you know, tennis we end up seeing produced. If it's even sloppier than that, God help us. Um, but there are little quirks that. I think I've enjoyed more watching the tennis, or maybe I've just missed tennis so much that I just have, I'm loving it anyways, but the little things that you can't usually pick up, I feel like I have been able to because of the lack of fans. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have tennis like this than no tennis at all. I completely agree with you. I'm just giving you the more negative, pessimistic attitude in terms terms of how a player must feel. I know they've been asked it like 8 billion times, and everyone's trying to be positive. Mm -hmm. But there's no way they'd rather play with no fans than fans. It's just absolutely impossible. Sure, they'd rather walk around the grounds and have their own private suites. I'm sure they love that. But to be able to play tennis in front of a packed stadium, especially at the U.S. Open, I mean, that's 90% of, like, why players enjoy it so much. They always talk about the crowd. But yeah, if for us as viewers, sure, it's not as different. But I think that Novak Djokovic default would have been pretty a lot more exciting had there been 10 minutes yeah. of the crowd screaming at him. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right with that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Tennis is 100% a healthier place when there are fans in the stadium, and it's definitely, it just adds an extra 10%, which, of course, who doesn't want that? I guess, I don't know if I'm concerned if, I guess what I'm thinking is, how do we not reimagine these crowds to get them more active? You know, the way world team tennis has when things are going well, there's free movement, there's music, all of these different things. Um, I just, you know, outside of a, a night match or a Serena Williams match or a Delpo match, sometimes Sometimes the New York crowd can get a little stagnant, and I guess what what's, I've learned from watching in these two weeks is I would I guess when fans come back, I hope they appreciate being there and they become more active participants in the match. I also missed when they were hassling Dave, Daniel Medvedev, you know, and now he doesn't get the yeah. chance to work on that. And he's talked about that a lot. He's been asked about that way too much, but how he he thinks they would have been for him this year. I think they would have too, but you never know, and we'll never find out until next year, hopefully. Yeah, no, and I'm a big public transit fan, but if I never have to hear the New York subway again, I'll be happy because there's, you know, that five-minute stretch where you just hear it blaring in the background, and you're like, this is 
There have been not some. I, I, think it was, I think it was during Cincy. There was some weird noises. I think it was the the Long Island Railroad uh, coming into the behind the court. You still heard that a little bit, but I haven't heard it this this week or last week. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, again, it's it's just been fun. Yeah, of course, you always hear the plane. Although, having been to the USDA National Campus in Orlando, like I, any, I can hear one plane. When you're at the National Campus, it's an airstrip. And so, like anything by comparison, I'm like, oh, this is nothing. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. It, it, yeah, it, USDA, it's uncomparable. The, those two are uncomparable. It, it's the most unbelievable. Like, I considered multiple times just hitting a ball as high in the air as possible. I'm like, I can't actually hit the plane, but I should try. Like, I owe it to myself to try here. Uh, it was like, a plot of land. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. But if I had, like, the live arm of Ulysses Blanche, I think I could actually hit one of those planes. And so, anyways, that's an experiment for another time. Uh, another reason I wanted to have you here, another development since, you know, uh, we last spoke was this development of the PTPA. And I think a lot of this loops back to the fact that all of these players are in a bubble together and with all, you know, given the protocols, and I'm sure they're all doing their own things, but there's also not that much to do but get together with your fellow tennis players, chat. And so I'm curious in your opinion, because, you know, this PTPA, Djokovic, Pospisil resigned from the ATP Player Council, Sam Query, and Is- or Isner does in the immediate moment, Sam Query does in the aftermath, but they formed this PTPA, and obviously they've re- received criticism for a couple of things. One, the fact that women weren't included for the get-go. Two, the fact that they seem to not really have a platform at this point more just along the lines of they want to do something different they wanted to make a move but they don't know exactly what that move is going to entail uh curious how much do you think them making this decision choosing to you know resign from the player council and form this ptpa now is just a result of them simply being together just in one location and not having much else to do but get together and think about these long-term things that's a very fair point because my thought was well, the timing is kind of terrible. I, I think the timing <laughs> of doing it in the middle of a pandemic when tournaments are trying so hard to make tennis happen again, the U.S. Open especially went above and beyond to make this happen. So to do something like that, to break away and, and resign from the board, it's just really bad timing. The idea maybe isn't so bad. I really don't know enough because I don't think they know enough what exactly is going to happen next. My question would be, so if they left the council – does the ATP then fill their spots right away with new members and just keep going like nothing's happened? Do they come to an agreement and try and combine efforts and, and take whatever Vashrik and Novak really want into consideration and try and rejoin? I have no idea what's going to happen next. I know that Vashik and Novak are smart, some of the smartest guys in tennis, and uh, they're well-connected, obviously. And the idea that they have more time to get together absolutely correct but the timing is just a little bit off i think and especially without having a clear at least from my understand a clear plan of what is the point and what happens next the inclusion of women does not surprise me it's the atp why would they have women involved <laughs> right now maybe they want to later of course if there's all this talk of a merger that's never going to happen so <laughs> i just i i'm not surprised by the moment no women at all that does not offend me in the slightest it makes kind of sense it's the atp but i don't understand the timing i don't know i don't understand the plan i don't understand the point so i need to know a lot more well i think it's also a branding issue it's just if you're going to be the professional tennis players association you should include women because women are professional tennis players it's just like what are we doing here don't call yourself something you're not i guess would be my criticism of them but yeah i agree with you it's just like this move this decision it would have been there two months from now would have been there four months from now would have been there 
12 months from now, and maybe you could have had a little bit more time to formulate some sort of platform to uh, assemble an even broader coalition. And yeah, it's, you know, again, it's the uncertainty in this decision. Why do this now? And if there were press under normal circumstances at the U.S. Open, you can only imagine the hounding they might have received. And for Novak Djokovic, again, to make that decision and then have this happen to him where he strikes a line judge and gets defaulted from the event, I mean, I you can, un, like for him, that was probably the easiest five grand he'll ever pay. He was like, five grand to avoid the press in this scenario? Done. Like, was it done, only done, five grand? grand? I thought it was ten. I think that's in the end. Oh my gosh. But even then, he'd spend the 10, right? He'd be like, done. Yeah, absolutely. He didn't even hesitate. There's nobody even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And so, yeah, it's just, I feel like had, if if we were, if we, I'm going to throw myself in there, we, because I like to think I would be there this year. If press was on the ground, I feel like this PTPA becomes a bigger story of this U.S. Open, but it's kind of faded to the background. I agree. I think the lack of press was an error, because there was so much going on that we didn't get to really hear about, uh, except for like really late statements from the USTA. But maybe that's kind of what they wanted this year to have full, full control of the news, like the, the COVID test and then the Ma- Ma- Manorino situation. Like, I think if press had been on site, we would have known a lot more, a lot faster what was going on. It probably would have been a lot more muddled. So I see both sides of wanting to control what's going on and also limiting, obviously, the amount of humans on site. But I saw that the broadcast team for World Feed and ESPN was like a lot of people, like like over 50 people. So I don't understand why you wouldn't let in at least maybe 50 press as well and control what days they come in, control obviously who they can interact with. But I don't understand the press situation. I think that could have been done a lot better. But I'm also just yeah, bitter I mean- as you are that I'm not there. Like I live in New York. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So it's fine. I get it. I respect it. I'm happy that. That, some, that someone from tennis.com got to be on site. I'm really glad Ed McGrogan is out there in the bubble. We have someone there. I'm happy for that. New York Times, I think someone's there. Like, we got enough. It's better than nothing. But, yeah, I'm a little bitter. Yeah, no, you and me both. I, I completely agree. And it's just kind of, yeah, it's just like, and I know some of the press people, and this is not to a fault of them. It's just the inconsistencies. And, look, it's very easy to do USTA bashing session. I'm trying not to do that because, yeah, because – Exactly, because USTA friends. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like I know some of these press people aren't staying on site. I know they go to the site and they're in New York and they live in New York, so they get to go home afterwards. And it's just like, well, okay, well, I'm happy to be tested every day I arrive if we're willing to do this and I'm willing to go on the honor system. I will go straight from the US Open to wherever I'm staying if that's the circumstances you guys are willing to allow. It's the inconsistencies, I suppose. And yeah, um, you, you, I think that's a good way of phrasing it. The US Open staff. Staff, the USDA, they've done a very good job of controlling the narrative surrounding this US Open, perhaps better uh, than any other tournament, but there's been a lot of pressure to do so, obviously, given everything that's going on. And uh, again, before we get into the tennis, because I want to talk about that last, but just in general, from what you're hearing from these players, and just obviously, you talked about the pair 11 situation, which, by the way, is just a great movie someday. Over under, quick tangent, over under four and a half books written about this three week bubble in New York. I think there'll be less because we, we weren't there. Like if, you, if the writers yeah. weren't there on site to really experience it, they have to do a lot of interviews. And sometimes I got this from World Team Tennis is people don't actually want to talk about what really goes on in the bubble because they're afraid of what others might think. Because if you're not in the bubble, you don't really understand. And <laughs> a lot of, I'm not saying the rules are broken, but people are still human beings who hang out and socialize no matter how. And if they're in the bubble, they might still feel they're guilty if they do like, like, like when they played cards, right? That was not against the rules, but that could look very, very bad if you admit to that. So I think there mm-hmm. might not be that many, maybe one. Mm-hmm. 
No, yeah, without getting too lewd, I have heard the hotel lobby has turned into a Tinder session at times. And, like, that's not surprising. You're right. People are human beings. Like, they're trapped in a place for three uh, three weeks. And so, yeah, like, the opportunities. I would have been like, just let me ghost write a book. I'll do it for the – like, just let me be in the seat because you can only imagine the stories that are coming out of it. Exactly. You wish you could, but I think it's going to be a challenge. Unless you made it, like, based on a true story. So it's kind of fiction. Then go for it. Yeah. No, and the the character will be named Jovac Nokovic, um, and we'll go from there. And it'll just be very incognito. No one will notice the differences. But yeah, it's been oh, it's been a really interesting, obviously three plus weeks in New York, and we're all looking forward to the home stretch of this U.S. Open. And with that in mind, let's talk about what we're going to see. And we're recording this Wednesday. It's now twelve o two. We're gonna you know stay brief here so that we can go watch the action but uh let's start with the women's side because that's what we last talked about i was as devastated i think as you when our girl petra martich went down to yulia putin seva but we see on the top half of the draw jennifer brady and naomi osaka let's start with jen brady because obviously she cruised through lexington didn't drop a set she's looked so good here at the u.s open i think it's what she's won now 18 of her last 20 or like 22 of her last 24 sets somewhere in that range she's played so well well, the draw guides ha- uh, draw guides have been kind, but does it surprise you to see her as a semifinalist here? Not at all. She was one of the most picked dark horses by the Tennis.com experts, and she. Uh, what I find most fascinating about her is I think she thinks of Lexington and the U.S. Open kind of as the same thing because it's kind of a similar environment, right? You're just focused on yourself, <laughs> your team, the match. There's nothing else because you're still in this bubble. And she won Lexington, and Serena Williams was there, so why wouldn't she also win the U.S. Open? This is my theory. I also think she's very, very good at focusing on just what's right in front of her. She doesn't think ahead. She doesn't overthink things. She keeps things very, very focused and simple. And having that German coach and that German offseason has given her discipline that she needed to take her game to another level. And we're seeing that. I'm not remotely surprised by this. The way she's playing, confident, calm. The, the no fans thing, I don't think that affects her at all. Someone who played in college tennis, like college tennis at UCLA, yeah, we get fans, but not not crazy amount of fans. So. I think she's used to it, and I think she's embraced this new normal, and it's working for her. Yeah, no, she has looked so good, and it's just so clear. Whatever she did this off season, it started at the beginning of 2020, but it has clearly translated throughout uh, this entire 2020 season. And, you know, we talked about it beforehand. The players with confidence, the players who are a little bit more match-tough than their competition, they're going to have a huge advantage, and you can just see it now as we look at the home stretch, and we'll get to the Naomi Osaka portion of this equation in a second. But are you at all concerned about how much tennis Jen Brady has played these last six weeks? World Team Tennis, Lexington, Western and Southern, U.S. Open, it adds up. And I always say the the separation between a top 10 player and everyone else is if you can put together a good six-week stretch, that's really what separates those top players from everyone else is they do it six weeks in a row. They can accumulate enough points. Now they have a margin. Um, I, you know, Jen Brady took that injury timeout at the end against Kerber. Um, and that match against Putin Seva got physical, but she looked so good during it. Are you concerned about uh, how much tennis she's played of late as we head into this final stretch? I don't think so because I think she's a player that needs a lot of matches to really sharpen her game and get in that momentum. Plus, she and Naomi Osaka have matching hamstring tape. So, you know, it's, it's even across <laughs> the board. I think I think it's more prevention for both of them than anything else because once you get used to having it on, you don't want to change something in the middle of a grand slam. But no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think she's played a lot, yes, but they've been straight sets. So, you know, I think she'll be okay. 
Yeah, no, she has been rocking and rolling. She's been so impressive. And, uh, you know, you could argue it's probably, I mean, you know, I guess the four players we have left really have been the four most impressive players. And in her opponent now, she's going to take on Naomi Osaka, who in these last two matches against Conteve and Shelby Rogers, I mean, I've continued to say it. I'm going to stand by this take. Right now, when she plays her best tennis, I think Naomi Osaka is the best player in the women's game, and I don't think it's particularly close. She's my favorite heading into this home stretch. Curious how you feel about her game. I think she's playing phenomenal tennis, but there's just so much going on around her off the court that could play a factor. It hasn't played a factor, but you can just see how as this gets closer and closer, it's just it's just a lot for her to handle. That's why I think Jen Brady has the edge. She has nothing distracting her. And not that it's not that distract distraction. You know what I mean? Like it's just there's nothing else for her but tennis right now. I don't know. I think I think Osaka on paper is absolutely the favorite to take this whole title. I agree with you on there. But I just think Jen Brady is just so good at disrupting people that hit the ball so flat and strong. She got so much spin on the ball. She has such good court coverage. I think she's going to give her a lot, a lot of trouble. Yeah, I just love the way, for in terms of a matchup perspective, the Naomi Osaka serve is just a weapon. That's how she starts every point. It's what she builds her game around. And, you know, she's having matches where she's dropping one. I think in her last three, it's like 11, like 9, and then 12 points on serve. Like, that's just... At a certain point, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, isn't that sometimes the numbers don't lie and it's reflecting what you're seeing on court? And I think yesterday she served like 47% on first serves, and it just didn't matter because she's able to play such strong plus one tennis. And what I think is so interesting about Brady is she's going to be able to dish that back. But I thought Annette Contebe played about as smart of a match as you could have in the fourth round, and it just didn't matter because Osaka's executing that well. And I just think when she executes, yeah, to what you, to, you know, to your point, She's just that good. And so, yeah, I mean, Brady is playing as well as anyone. I don't think the fact that it's her first Grand Slam semifinal is going to matter. To your point, she's so laser-focused on the moment that she doesn't let those things get to her. But I just think Naomi Osaka is playing incredible tennis. She absolutely is. You know, I think if I was pushed to bet on it, which I never would, I'd say Osaka (laughs) will win the whole title. But I also think Jenna's just so good. And the fact that they're playing with no fans is going to play so much into Jen's favor. You know, I, that's my strong opinion there because she's not going to care about that. Well, Osaka's been here before, and she's just like, this is a little bit strange. I don't think she's worried about that, but, you know, it, it, it's a different vibe when you haven't when you haven't been there before, and you're not going to be as affected by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what's so funny is that Osaka-Brady match is going to be spectacular, but we might also be treated to a Serena Vika semifinal, which again, who would have thought that in 2020, that's the match we'd be, we would be getting, but they're both one win away from setting up that semifinal. And you look at the bottom half, again, I think the draw gods bless Serena Williams. If you would have said, hey, uh, you know, you get your highest seed's going to be Sakari, and then you're going to get Parankova in the quarterfinal, she would have been like, sure, yep, sign me up here, done. Um, and, uh, you know, you can only play the person who's across the net from you but you know for Serena at this point it's now quarterfinal time and again not to ask you to wager on it but it's just hard to bet against Serena when she gets to this stage of a slam okay the safest choice would be Osaka Serena final but mm-hmm. my girl Elise Mertens yes my yes pick. I agree <laughs> she's just so <laughs> subtle like everything about her even in press She's so casual. She's just like, yeah, everything works for me. Like, whatever you guys want. She's so chill. She's so unflustered. And I think that's really, she and Jen have that in common. I think that's working for them, where they're just so calm about everything, at least from uh, from my perspective. I'm not there with them, obviously. 
But I think that someone like, uh, yeah, Perankova's incredible, incredible story. This is like the best story of the U.S. Open, arguably. But Serena is the favorite there. And I just, I don't know, Azarenka Mertens, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, it's a toss-up for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm all in on the Elise Mertens bandwagon. She hasn't dropped a set. She, you know, Sophia Kennan was starting to play really well, and Mertens just took it to her. And so I think this battle with Azarenka is going to be something. And I think if Mertens can get through this one, then there's no reason, you know, she can't get through Serena as well. I would argue Azarenka right now playing better tennis uh, than Serena Williams just objectively now, of course, facing the two completely different beasts. But yeah, I, I think Elise Mertens is looking great. I think all of the, you know, just this home stretch on the women's side, it's going to be a really exciting finish. Uh, real quick, because obviously this is another storyline, three moms into the quarterfinals for the first time in U.S. Open history. What do you think this moment will mean for the sport moving forward? I'm going to throw you off so hard here. There's four moms. Vera Zwanareva is four. the U.S. Open oh. women's doubles final, and no one cares about her, but I love her, and she's also <laughs> a mom. And they, the best part is that they all kind of have kids, all four of them, and now I'm going to add the fourth. All four of them have kids kind of the same year. It's like 2016, 2017, 2018. I think what this means is that the modern era has caught up as in the off-court modern era of having kids later. Vera said it best. I talked to her yesterday. And she said, look, now it's kind of more okay to want to have kids at 35 versus 25. And because everyone's careers are lasting so much longer, it's not out of the realm of possibility to come back after having a child. Plus, these are athletes, like the most amazing physical shape ever. I think... That's what sets them apart. And the fact that they're moms, it's unbelievable, but it also, I think, gives them perspective that they need later in their careers to be like, tennis is not my only thing. It's my, maybe it has been my most important thing, but now that I have a child, if I lose or if I'm stressed out about this and that and that, that's not the most important thing. It's okay to have another focus and let that balance you out. Maybe that's going to cost you some titles. I don't, I don't know. I don't have done the science on that, but even this U.S. Open, the odds of a mom winning it is high. Yeah. No, I mean, look, to your point, I think it's the fact that they're all playing so freely. And, I mean, for Zvonareva, she made, what, semifinals, I think, at the Oracle Challenger Series in Indian Wells before play stopped. And, yeah, she's in the finals here at the—or uh, finals, right, in doubles now of this U.S. Open. And, yeah, for, for Vika, for Serena, uh, for all of the—for uh, Parankova, they're just— there's a freedom they seem to be playing with. I mean, I swear to God, I've watched all these Parankova matches. I haven't seen her miss once. Like, I know she committed 50 unforced errors, but I don't think I've seen her miss. And it's just, it's so incredible to watch. I completely agree with everything you said. It, Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. No, it's just like sometimes she'll throw a forehand slice and it just drops in. And I'm like, how did that land in? I just don't, I don't get it. It just, I don't know. Maybe it's just the points I'm watching, but she just doesn't seem to miss. And so, yeah, it's going to be a really fun home stretch. Quickly, let's go through the men's side. The children have taken over Zirev into the semifinals. He's taken on Kareno Busta. Obviously, today you have team versus Dimonauer, Rublev versus Medvedev. But just in general, are you surprised to see these next-gen guys take advantage of this opportunity to get this far in the draw? And then your thoughts as we head to the home stretch. I mean, look, they haven't really got any other choice. There's no one to stop them, right? So <laughs> I'll say it. Yeah, I think they all agree with that, that this is, it's going to be a lot of pressure because they have that maybe thought in their head, hey, Novak isn't here. This is my only chance maybe in the next, what, three, four years to be able to win a slam without him blocking you? I don't know. I think adds a lot of pressure. It makes it super awkward. They're used to being underdogs. Now, arguably, I'd say maybe Medvedev is the favorite because he has been in the final last year. TM is seated higher. I don't know. I think I think 
Zverev has been the shakiest. I wouldn't put him as a favorite. I could see Karina Busta taking out Zverev, no problem. I wish Denis Shapovalov had made it because he's such a flashy, fun person to watch. But of course, credit to Karina Busta for being 29 years old, so old. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's it adds such a weird dimension to it. I think it takes away from them winning a major the fact that there aren't the big three in there. I don't I don't know if that's a favorite opinion, but probably I think they'd agree with that. But we'll see what happens. I think it's up for grabs for sure. Yeah, no, Karina Busta no longer on his parents' health care for sure. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at I, this field, I mean, it's wide open, and I think that's really fun. And I just feel like there's a poetry, right, the fact that it, you know, mother, mother time, father time, mother nature, whatever, undefeated. And it took a global pandemic, a federal knee injury, and a once-in-a-lifetime event of Djokovic hitting, you know, striking on the line judge with a ball in a throat for these next gen guys to have an opportunity to get over the hump. I don't know if it's more I just find the com- I see the comedy in that, but I just think it's so fitting. I just like I could like I've always said, of course Alex Zverev, I was joking around at the beginning of this, if there's any slam tennis he's going to win this year and it's always going to be, yeah, well Zverev won his slam in, during a global pandemic so it doesn't really count. Like that could actually happen now and I just think it's hilarious. Remember the beginning, everyone's like, should we add an asterisk because of the pandemic? Now it's like, should you add an asterisk, another one, because Novak knocked himself out? Like, I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe it needs two. Yeah, no, I just, poor Pablo Carreno Boost is going to win this major, and everyone's going to be like, yeah, but that's just, yeah, and it just would be devastating. Hey, I'm ready to crown him the next big thing. I'm ready to hot take on Pablo Carreno Boost. This kind of reminds me of the French Open year, well, many, many, many years ago before Nadal. The French Open used to be anyone's ball game. Literally random people came out of the woodworks and won their French Open. So this, this kind of reminds me of that. Obviously, it's very different, but I just think that it's literally up for grabs. And the I fact, don't act- yeah, the asterisks are important. I don't know. No, yeah, I, I don't actually remember this, but I have been told the story so many times when I was at the club I grew up uh, training at. Michael Russell also played there, and he had the match points on Google Querton. And they're like, you don't remember that match, Alex? You were sitting here while your parents were doing whatever. I'm like, no, of course I remember. I'm like, no, I don't remember. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm ready for wide open slams. For me, as someone who's been waiting for these next geners, glass half full type of guy, I'm in heaven. And so I am very much excited for that. All right, last question for you. I'm to put you on the spot once again you sticking with your picks who are you taking to win this u.s open so my pick was elise mertens though i did get two picks because we have kind of like a little fantasy game that we play with the uh, the tennis channel office and i picked naomi osaka in that one but i publicly picked elise mertens and i'm sticking to it i think it's kind of uh it'd be silly now to choose against her she's in the quarterfinals is it maybe an absurd choice maybe it still is and the men's side i'm gonna go with Ooh, i'm gonna go with krena busta Oh, this this is why you'll always have a return invite to this podcast. I love both of those picks. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, look again. Make I, I think I've picked each eight of the or each six of these players left to win at this point across our multiple podcasts, just so I have all of my bases covered. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really fun home stretch, and obviously, uh, I, we all look forward to seeing all of the action, and we all look forward to seeing your coverage of the action. So for our fans out there, can you let them know where they can read and find all of your stuff? You can find everything on tennis.com and baseline.tennis.com. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the two main sites. Yeah, awesome. Well then, Nina, thank you as always for taking the time to chat with us. Obviously, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Alex.
Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Tennis.com's Nina Pantic. And of course, again, please go check out her work on Baseline.Tennis.com. I don't need to tell you this, I'm sure, but go listen, like, rate, subscribe, review to the Tennis.com podcast. Tennis Media is a better place because we have Nina in it, and I'm such a fan of hers. Uh, Really looking forward to getting to work with her more. And of course, thrilled to be a fellow worker with her, a fellow member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. So thank you to Nina for taking the time to chat with us. Of course, there's been so much action going on in New York. If you need to catch up on any of it, go check out our mini break podcast, Jamie McDonald and I recapping each day's event, previewing what you're going to see the next day as well. And of course, talking about the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from throughout the tennis world. Of course, if you want to hear our picks for each day, get in on the action with our friends at DraftKings. You can do so by going to dkng.co slash cracked open, and you can hear our picks by following along each morning on this great shot podcast feed with the ace of the day. You can find those each night on our YouTube channel as well in case you want to get those bets in before you go to bed. And remember, to play along, just go to dkng.co slash cracked open. Huge shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f*** of an editing job to do day in, day out, and who we work to the bone here at Cracked Rackets. And they put up with so much nonsense of mine. So seriously, such a fan of theirs. And see, you know, again, uh, we want to keep you fans the most informed, the best educated in the business. We're able to do that because of their hard work. We're also able to do that because of the incredible support we get from our Patreon subscribers. If that's something you are interested in, please just go to patreon.com, search Cracked Rackets. Uh, Just posted our second mailbag for the Patreon followers. That's Patreon Submit Questions. I answer candidly. No edits. You get to hear me swear all of the fun stuff that we want to do for our Patreon subscribers. Again, uh, we wouldn't be able to do any of this without their support, and if you are interested in supporting, please uh, just go to patreon.com. I can't tell you how much, even beyond the financial resources, which of course we need, but uh, just to know we have a group out there who's willing to support us with everything we do. It means the world to us, so a huge shout-out to our patrons. But with that in mind, if you have missed any of our U.S. Open content, just go to our website, crackrackets.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly. I'm at Great Shot Pod. Uh, again, though, with that being said, for our wonderful guests, Tennis.com's Nina Pantic, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.